Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open up your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Now, I want you to know that I firmly believe that this is the Apostle Paul's last letter, the last writings that we have from him. Specifically, he is writing at the end of his life. He is about to be executed. He is about uh, to be uh, martyred. He's going to have his head cut off real soon. I think it's about the year A.D. 66 or 67. And here, knowing that he is facing death, he is not worried. Why is he not worried? Because he has had a few experiences in life. One of the experiences he had is that he did not know whether he was awake or asleep, whether he was in his body or out of his body. He said, I can't tell you which one it was, but I can tell you this. I had one of those spooky spiritual experiences, he said, and I was called up into the third heaven and I saw some things that I cannot even describe. I can't begin to explain the things that I saw, but one thing it left the apostle Paul with, it left him with a realization that death is not death, Death is life. And he began to write after that. And as he would write the letters that we hold as the epistles of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he writes to us so much about this eternity that we're looking forward to, about this opportunity that we have as born-again Christians to step into what is real life. In fact, he wrote to us and told us that the life that we now live, it's not really life. We are actually dead right now. That's what he said we were. We are living in death, and one day we will live in life. He even wrote that, that, that whenever the Christian, in a worldly ideal sense, when the Christian dies, when the born-again believer dies, it, 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 it looks apparent to everyone else that they died. They really didn't die. He says, but rather what happened is life swallowed them up. He said that one day each one of us will be swallowed up by life. He wrote to us in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He was talking about being dead with Christ. He says, but yet I live. But the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, whenever we say yes to him and step into a born-again experience, we go from death to life. That's what happens. I don't know how it happens, but I know that it does. And the preponderance of Scripture lays line upon line, precept upon precept, and it shows us a clear image of right now we're dead. In fact, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this, that if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
Now, that is a plain image. The Apostle Paul was trying his best to, 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 to describe to us what he saw, what he experienced in all of his writings. He's telling us to look forward to this, to look forward to this last trump, to the time whenever the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be changed to be like him because we shall finally see everything just like it is. Wow. Right now, God sees us. He sees into our life. There's something in here. I, 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 I can't uh, uh, draw you a picture of it. But the words from the, from the scriptures tell us that there is a light shining on the inside of every born-again believer. And the Bible says that we, even in the midst of the crooked and perverse generation, we shine like lights. The Holy Spirit has illuminated our life. We are alive. We are yet in this earthen vessel, but there's a treasure in this earthen vessel, in this vessel made of clay. And one day we will take off this earth suit. We will take off this death. We will take off this corruption as though you were peeling off a suit and life will swallow us up. That is the hope of God. It is Christ in us. It's God's hope of eternal glory. It should be our hope as well. So the Apostle Paul has been believing this for many years. He's been writing it, but he senses this new season coming. You know, I sense a new season, right? I, I'm telling you, I, I have increased my personal witness in, 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 in these recent weeks and months. I have seen more harvest. I have seen more success, more receptiveness from people than ever before. I'm telling you, there's a new season. There's something happening, something different. It happens on, you know, uh, 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 in each generation, but we are at that generational moment that God is calling a next generation. Let me tell you what I liken it to. I liken it to God drawing a vacuum in the life of an individual. I don't know how he does it, but he does. The Bible says that, that no man comes to God except through Jesus, and no man comes to Jesus except the Spirit of God draws him. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing a vacuum in people's lives. And so that they're beginning to sense an emptiness. They're beginning to sense a longness. They're beginning a longing. They're, they're, they're beginning to sense a yearning. People that we have prayed for, people that we have, you know, a witness to, uh, and, and, and almost to no effect. But nonetheless, there's something that is drawing in their life. And that vacuum, you know, uh, uh, if we will offer Christ to them, I have seen it. I saw it yesterday and the day before and I saw it the week before and the week before and the week before I have seen and since this season that when I offer Christ Christ is, is just oh it just like fills that vacuum in their life fills that void and all of a sudden they say I found it I found something that I can hold on to something that's real something that makes sense I was sharing with a young man this past week a young man who had gotten a new girlfriend and the new girlfriend that he had gotten had uh, you know was was uh, you know Christianity and, and being a believer in Jesus was just not a part of her world. It was not a part of her context uh, uh, culturally and, and, and uh, 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 you know, her family and every otherwise. It just was never something that was a part of her world. 
Jesus seemed to be some far off person and religion was something that was not needed, not appreciated, not wanted, not valued and, and never considered that, I did, that it was a part of my life. That's something that other people do. And I, I said, well, have, 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 you, have, have you witnessed to her? He said, well, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've told her you know, what I believe. And, you know, and I, I said, well, listen, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I want you to on purpose find a way to get her into a church into a church that believes the word of God and preaches the clear message of the gospel of Christ. I want you to do whatever it takes to get her into a church, not a dead church, but a living church, a spirit-filled church, a church that teaches the word, Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of just, just make sure it's alive. Make sure that they preach the word and believe the word and live the word and that they're on fire for Jesus. And if you'll get her into that, when she hears the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, spirit it will do something to her that nothing else can do all of a sudden she will never be able to deny what's happening on the inside of her that something is drawing and calling her and it will lift her up that's what convinces people it's that word that anointed word of God I'm seeing people say yes to Jesus I believe there is an evident calling of God on lives to turn and to return to Christ, to the seriousness of the gospel. Well, the Apostle Paul was facing that moment. You see, the Apostle Paul was now about 62 years old, something on that line. 62 to 65. It's about the year 66, 67. He's probably 62. He's in Rome. He knows he is about to be executed. He even writes to Timothy and he says, hey, Timothy, look, I'm about ready to be offered up. I have run the race. I've finished the course. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. You know, I've done it. You know, I, I'm, but I am ready for I know to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I am certain and I am convinced of where I'm going and I want to go. I yearn to put off this mortal flesh and to be delivered from this body of death. I yearn to be swallowed up by life. But I know that you're going to stay here. You're going to remain. And you need to run your lap as strong as I have run mine. So let me give you my final words, he said. Let me give you my last testament, the last written words. God knew that not only would Timothy read these and be encouraged, but God knew on October the 21st in 2018, you would be here and I would be here and these same words would carry an anointing and would fall upon us as a mandate from heaven as well. You see, God wants the next generation to run their race and to finish their course just like we are running ours and will one day finish ours. It is God's desire that every generation take upon themselves this incumbent responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in an effective way. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing as he begins this last chapter in the last writing that we have before he was martyred. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm reading from the New King James Version. He writes, I charge you. Now, if you will recognize this, this is not a suggestion. Okay? This is a command. 
And so allow it to fall upon you as though the Apostle Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is speaking directly to you this morning because he is. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. My goodness. You know, he is the God of both the dead and the living. And I charge you before this great eternal divine, divine almighty God. He says in verse 2, preach the word. Okay, back up just a moment. Boy, if you allow that word preach to make you think that that is relegated to a guy in a suit standing on a platform in front of a bunch of people who are ready to go to lunch and trying to stay awake, you're missing it. <laughs> okay? That word preach does not mean what a preacher does. That word preach means to proclaim. And it, it goes out to every born-again believer. It is the responsibility of every person who accepts Jesus Christ to be a proclaimer, to be a messenger. It means proclaim. Please don't read it as though it's something that someone else does in a far distant world that you can't compete with or even understand. That's not the truth. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, he understands exactly what he's saying and he says Timothy I charge you by the living God you proclaim you live a life that proclaims the word of God you allow your life to be a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ why because it is the gospel it is the word of God that has the power to save yeah. it's the word you can get a lot of counsel from a lot of places. You, can, you know, you can read some nice poems and listen to some songs. And, you know, those poems ought to be written and hung on a wall somewhere. But they won't change your life. You should get better. You should be better. You should do good things. But doing good things can leave you without a relationship with Jesus Christ. We do good things because we are saved. We don't do good things to get saved. We're not here trying to make bad people better. As you know, we are trying to make dead people live. That's our goal. Our goal is to introduce people to Jesus Christ, and it's by the Word of God. The Word of God says in Romans, the first chapter in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who will believe, regardless of their situation, circumstance, culture, custom, stage, or state of life. This word, that's why he told Timothy, make sure that you proclaim the word of Almighty God. Preach the word, he said. Be ready, Timothy. Be ready, <laughs> You see, there's an urgency to the gospel. Why is there an urgency to the gospel? Because people are lost and on their way to hell or else they are wandering in this life and living in hell. There is an urgency before they take a temporary situation and create a permanent problem. There's an urgency for them to, to hear and to hold the word of the living God. This urgency, be ready, he said. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means when it's comfortable and when it's not. When people want to hear it and when people don't. Whenever it's convenient and popular and when it's inconvenient and unpopular. Nonetheless, there's an urgency for you to proclaim the word of God in everyday life. He says then, 
He says, listen, you'll need to convince. Do you know that you will never convince someone of something that you are not yet convinced of? If it doesn't burn in you, it won't burn in anyone that hears you. You will never be able to convince someone else of something that you are unsure of. And this is the first mandate, that we need to be people who convince others that we are proclaiming the word of God in truth and that we are ready in season and out of season, that we are able to convince others. Why? Because we are convinced. You and I both know that if I, that, that, that if I believe it, really, 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 really believe it, and I tell it to you five times, you'll start believing it. Come on now, you know you will. Y'all have had, you know, CNN and Fox on. You know, they just keep saying it over and over and over, and it looks like they believe it. And pretty soon you go, you know, maybe they do. Maybe that's real. <laughs> we need to be convinced of the word of Almighty God. We need to be convinced of the truth of Almighty God. But not only do we need to be convinced, we also need to make sure that we are able to rebuke. Oh, my goodness. That's, a, that's another one of those words like preach. <laughs> That's one of those words you want to go, whoa, right? Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you what this means. It means to correct. It means that every one of us ought to be able to say to our friends and families with conviction, with love, without criticism, without judgmentalism, because it's not our word, it's God's word. We ought, to be able to say, we ought to be able to say to our friends and family, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that anymore. That's not right. It doesn't mean we have to hate them or slap them or not love them or, you know, kick them around. Okay? We don't need to be telling everybody else about it, but we need to be able to say that's wrong. You don't need to be doing that anymore. Okay? Hello? That's the reality of it. There's an urgency because the whole world is saying everything's okay. The whole world is saying that your truth and my truth are two different truths and what's good for you is good for me and there's no right and there's no wrong. Hogwash. Okay. Rebuke, correct. You know, we should be able to. You know, just this week, someone came to talk to me and, 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 and they, they, they told me something that they need a little help with and, and I told them, okay, and I gave them some good advice. But then before I, I said, but before I pray, you look at me. Look at me. Look me right here in the eyes. I said, no, look, don't you do that anymore. You understand me? That's wrong. You quit that. And they said, okay. Do you know how that does good? That helps. It does. Have whatever it takes to stand up and to say, that's not right, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. That's what friends do. Friends don't let friends go to hell and friends don't let friends live in hell. Hey, you don't have to hate them. You don't have to distance yourself. You just need to say, that's wrong. Stop that. And exhort. That word means to encourage so we need to be able to take the word of God when it's popular and when it's not and be able to convince people, to be able to correct people and to be able to encourage others with all long suffering and teaching. That means with, with, with patience. We need to have, sometimes it takes a little while. Some clay is just hard to work with and you just got to take a little while and you got to teach them and bring them along, just continuing to encourage them, just giving them a little time and attention. There's hardly anything that cannot be remedied with giving God enough time 
an opportunity. If you're in a situation right now and you need help from God, just lay it before him. Get some good godly counsel, not some good worldly counsel. You know, uh, 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 the, the, the world will do its best to try to make you feel better about being bad. Hello? And if you're not watchful, you can get a whole lot of people around you that believe that whatever you're doing is just best for you. And they'll start encouraging you that way. In fact, that's what he's saying here. For the time will come when, when they, when people, will not endure sound doctrine. That means they will not hold on to the truth of God's word. Uh, but according to their own desires, according to the things they want. You know, wanting something doesn't necessarily mean it's right or best or good. And it doesn't mean that your want's not going to change right down the road. Okay? They will, out of their own desires, out of their own feelings, they will gather people around them that will support whatever they want to do. I'll just paraphrase that. Okay? You know, one of the worst things in life is having friends that'll support you, whatever you do. Hello? It's one of the best things and one of the worst things. Because when people around you start telling you that what you're doing is right and you know it's not, it's not time to let them convince you. It's time to look at them and say, stop that. You'd be a better friend to me than that. Now, I'm struggling with this and you need to help me. Come on now, help me. Okay? What do you really believe? Okay? What's really right? Help me. I'm struggling here. We're not just looking for things that won't help. We're looking for things that will help. Don't you want to be happy? Well, God will help. The truth will help. Encouragement will help. Good news. Feelings change. Well, for what that's worth. All right, verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to empty, vain fables, things that won't help. But you, you be watchful in all things and you endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Again, religious word. Do the work of a messenger sent by God with good news. Do the work of somebody that's coming with good news. You see, God's word is always redemptive. Don't, we're not condemning Born-again believers should never be condemning and critical and judgmental. We should be able to be, you know, uh, encourage and correct and convince. And we should be able to, to, to do this with a lot of patience. And we should be able as well to do it as though we are messengers from God. That's what we've been charged to do so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do. Amen? Okay. Well, hey, there's a vacuum out here in people's lives. I've seen it. You know, gosh, I was getting my car inspected Friday and I just turned around, went back and I said, listen, man, I don't know what's going on in your life, but let me tell you something. The answer is Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, he just went, 
I could tell he was sucking in. I had people waiting behind me wanting to be next in line, and I just went ahead and took my time boldly because he needed to know that Jesus was the answer. And, and, and man, he just began to suck in all. I said, look, I, I, I can tell you, if you'll just turn your life on give him a chance, if you'll just ask him, and, and, and you know, it was like there was a pause button. That's the answer. Listen, there, there's a hunger out there. We're in this season. Let's capitalize on this season. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's like, you know, um, you know, when the redfish are running, you need to go fishing. You know, it's like, you know, it's, you know what I mean? Uh, you, uh, you need, to, I mean, come on. Okay. We're in a season of people being so open to the word. We're in a season when people will allow you to convince them. They will take your conviction and be convinced. We're in a season where they will accept your correction when they see that you're doing it in love. And we're in a season whenever they will accept and let you encourage them to do what the Word of God says. We're in that season. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this may sound like, whoa, I don't know what. Let me tell you, you need to get saved today. Today, something has happened on the inside of you, and you know that this is right. You know it's true, and you know that one day you're going to step out of this life into the next. What will you do with eternity? What will you do? You not only need help to miss an eternity in hell, you need help to miss the hell of this life, and today is your day. Why not? Every one of us has, 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 you know, has had to come through the same process of recognizing that we needed a savior, repenting of our sins, just simply saying, God, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry. And here I am, Lord. If you can do anything with this, Lord, here I am. And then receiving him by asking him to come into your life and save your soul.